Hello, it's Tax Credit Tuesday, and I'm Michael Novogratik. This is the Novogratik Report on Tax Credits, a weekly podcast covering the latest news about a renewable energy, community development, and affordable housing. Today is Tuesday, August 5, 2008. This week, we will discuss the tax extender legislation that would renew the new market tax credit and the renewable energy tax credits. Then, we will review the final rule released last week by the IRS regarding utility allowances in low-income housing tax credit properties. We also have news about investigations of Colorado's Conservation Easement Tax Credit Program. Before we address today's topics, however, I'd like to invite you to sign up for a webinar that Novogratz and Company will host next week. On Tuesday, August 12th, we will present a discussion of H.R. 3221, the Housing and Economic Recovery Act of 2008. We're going to emphasize the low-income housing tax credit provisions of that act. I will be joined by my colleague, George Littlejohn, a partner in Novogratz's Austin office. George and I will summarize the new law and its LHTC provisions. We will also discuss the impact of the new law on both existing and future LHTC projects and discuss questions the new law poses for the affordable housing community. If you can't attend the webinar on August 12th, it will be available for purchase and viewing after the session is over. You can register online at www.novacode.com events. Now, let's start this week's discussion with an update on the possible extension of the NMTC and energy tax credits. Legislation to extend several expired and expiring tax incentives stalled again last week because of bipartisan disagreement over whether those extensions should be paid for. On July 29th, the Senate voted on a motion to proceed to a House-approved tax extenders bill, H.R. 6049. Unfortunately, the motion failed. The following day, the Senate failed twice to secure enough votes to allow lawmakers to debate S. 3335. The bill was introduced by Senate Finance Committee Chairman Max Baucus of Montana and would have extended a 30% investment tax credit for solar energy and fuel sales for eight years. The bill would have also extended production tax credits for wind power facilities for one year and extended the new market tax credit for one year. Then, on July 31st, a bipartisan group of House members, led by John Peterson of Pennsylvania and Neil Abercrombie of Hawaii, unveiled yet another energy bill, H.R. 6079. The bill, entitled the National Conservation, Environment, Energy, Independence Act, would provide several tax extensions, including a five-year extension of the production tax credit. This bill would not currently include an extension of the NMTC. There was considerable pressure on Congress to act on these tax extenders before lawmakers adjourned for their August recess, or what is referred to as their summer district work period. But as the debate over revenue offsets dragged on, it became clear that the effort to pass the tax extenders bill would have to resume again in September. We'll keep you updated on any developments over the course of their August recess. Now let's turn our attention to the long-awaited final rule for determining utility allowances for low-income housing tax credit properties. On July 29th, the Internal Revenue Service published final regulations regarding utility allowances under Section 42. The regulations are effective July 29, 2008. Under the regulations, cable, television, and internet costs are now explicitly listed as exclusions from the utility allowance calculation. And, for buildings not operating under the Rural Housing Service Program or HUD Section 8 Program, building owners now have three additional options for selecting the applicable utility allowance for their property. The original two options were the Public Housing Authority Utility Allowance and Local Utility Company Estimate. The final rule allows building owners the option to use either the agency estimate, 
the HUD Utility Schedule Model Estimate or Energy Consumption Model Estimate. Under the new rule, the building owner is responsible for paying for all costs incurred in obtaining these estimates and distributing them to the public housing agency and tenants. The final rule also requires building owners to review the basis on which the utility allowances have been established at least once during each calendar year. During this review, owners are required to take into account any changes to the building, such as any energy conservation measures that affect energy consumption and changes in utility rates. For buildings newly placed in service, the property owner is not required to review the utility allowances or implement new utility allowances until the building has achieved 90% occupancy for a period of 90 consecutive days, or the end of the first year of the credit period, whichever comes first. The rule also requires the building owner to retain any utility consumption estimates and supporting data as part of the taxpayer's records. The final regulations raise several questions. For example, it is unclear whether an engineer hired to calculate an energy consumption model estimate must be approved by the housing agency. It's also unclear in a scenario where a new building that is not using a PHA utility allowance is placed in service at the beginning of, of the year and achieves 90% occupancy for a period of 90 consecutive days before the end of the calendar year, whether or not the owner is required to review the utility allowance again, which would result in additional cost for that year in reviewing utility allowances. These questions and other areas where clarification on the rule is needed will be discussed in the September issue of the Property Compliance Report. In addition, background information and related documents are available online at www.tashfordhousing.com by clicking on Hot Topics in the News menu. Finally, let's examine the recent developments in Colorado concerning the state's Conservation Easement Tax Credit Program. As we discussed in the December 18th podcast, many states have programs that allow landowners to receive state tax credits for donating conservation easements. Conservation easements permanently restrict the development of land and preserve it for viewing and wildlife. Colorado's program is one of the nation's most widely used conservation easement tax credit programs, but it recently came under scrutiny following action by the state's legislature. During its 2007 session, Colorado's legislature passed a bill requiring land trusts, taxpayers, and appraisers to disclose information designed to verify state tax credits claim for conservation easement donations. It's effective as of January 1, 2008. The Colorado Department of Revenue launched an investigation into whether credits have been claimed on land that is not endangered or if the credits were overvalued. The IRS has also expressed concern about the valuation of conservation easements for federal tax deduction purposes, as well as the manner in which the tax credits are structured. Since our last discussion on this topic, the Colorado General Assembly approved HB 1353, a measure designed to ensure the validity of the program. The new law, which took effect July 1st, established new requirements for verifying the credits and created a nine-member oversight commission in the Division of Real Estate. Despite this progress, however, the investigations into previous allegations of abuse continue. In June, the state convened a grand jury to begin examining alleged abuses of the program. The panel is expected to consider whether appraisers, landowners, and others committed securities fraud or other offenses in connection with the program. In addition, BNA reported on July 11th that the IRS issued several summonses in connection with its investigation of Colorado's Conservation Easement Tax Credit Program. Aaron Toll, director of the Colorado Division of Real Estate, told BNA that the IRS summonses were in response to an invitation by the Colorado Division of Real Estate to examine its findings with respect to appraiser conduct and certain land deals. We will continue to track the developments in Colorado and keep you updated in future podcasts. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's report. Please join us again next Tuesday 
when we'll discuss some of the policy changes that state housing agencies are making to address the changes to the LHDC program made by the Housing and Economic Recovery Act. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.